The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and every week I or my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, bring you information regarding health care and how it affects you and your family. We give you the information that you need so that you can be armed to stand up for the health care of your family. The uh, issues that we talk about affect every single one of us um, and uh, are important for you to understand and master. And we give you the information on this show that is not available anywhere else or is difficult to find. And we try to put it together for you so that you'll uh, be prepared. The show is sponsored by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. Our website is www.4pcfoundation.org. That's D number four, pcfoundation.org. And we need you to continue to support the organization which um, sponsors this show and and allows our organization to do so much more. Docs for Patient Care stands for uh, the health care freedom for all Americans and for the doctor-patient relationship. And so you should be a part of that and sh- you should support it. It's the end of the year and this is an opportunity to give your tax-deductible contribution to Docs for Patient Care. So please think about us in your uh, end-of-the-year tax planning and uh, contribute generously so that we can uh, continue to uh, put this show on the air. Um, this is an opportunity for me again to um, uh, spot, or to plug our um, conference that Docs for Patient Care is uh, putting on in uh, 2024. It's coming up just around the corner. It's March um, 14th to 16th. It's in Orlando, Florida. It's nuts and bolts, um, direct primary care, and it's a conference that is important for any doctor who wants to get out of the uh, the uh, hamster wheel of insurance and uh, denials and uh, get a practice that is um, a, a cash practice where you have direct contracting with patients and cut out all the middlemen. And if you don't think that this is something that you can do, you should attempt to come to this conference and learn about it because it most definitely is something that anybody can do. Um, When we started Docs for Patient Care, there were 10 practices in the country that were delivering direct primary care, and now there are well over 2,000 direct primary care and cash practices. So um, it's a growing movement. You can do it if you um, have any interest in this or if you are completely disgusted with um, the 
the uh, current status of your practice and insurance and uh, denials and having to jump through all the hoops. You want to be your own boss and uh, and give your patients the best care. Attend this conference and uh, learn how you can do it. Our keynote speaker this year is none other than Marty McCary, who is well-known um, in uh, healthcare policy circles. He's written one of the most, um, I think, uh, uh, important books about healthcare entitled The Price We Pay, and he'll talk about some of those things that he lists in his book, and he'll be available for book signings. So you do not want to miss this. It's a really once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So um, check us out on the website, d4pcfoundation.org. Sign up um, and uh, reserve your spot today. So um, what I wanted to talk to you about uh, is there are, there are a number of articles that I've recently read and uh and I wanted to see if I could tie them all together. And let me start out by saying that our country has many enemies. Iran, Russia, China, North Korea. That's obvious. There's no, there's no shock or surprise about that. What's more difficult more dangerous, more insidious is the enemy within. We are right now infiltrated by people who hate this country. These people are called Marxists, leftists, Democrats. The Marxists have taken over the Democrat Party. There are no longer any real Democrats who have the guts to stand up to this groundswell of of uh, Marxism that's bubbling up and enveloping everything that we see. This is the enemy that we that we must confront. This is the existential threat to our country. These individuals hate everything that our country stands for. They abhor individual freedoms. They believe that government is the answer. They think that the government should control every aspect of your life, your job, your savings, your housing, your education, and yes, your health care. You know, they believe that the money that you earn is really their money and they allow you to keep some of it. This movement, these people are the antithesis of what America stands for. And this is the real threat that we face. There has been a covert effort, an operation to take control of the levers of power in this country and consequently 
all other aspects of our culture. It started in education. It always starts in education. And it started in our universities. Back if, in the 1960s, if you remember all the campus unrest, that's when it became popular. That's when it be, it became hip to confront the establishment and to take it down and, and, um, promote other opinions that were divergent from what America stood for. After critical mass had been achieved by indoctrinating tens of thousands of young people who grew up to become adults with this orientation, with this mindset. The influence of the Marxists has metastasized like a cancer and it's extended into media, Hollywood, government, the legal system, business, and yes, even healthcare. Everywhere you look, there is the influence of this Marxist movement in every aspect of our lives these days. Now, the Marxists use many tools, many strategies. They've mastered them. And these people use these strategies to further advance their goals, which is basically to take down our country, to to um, destroy everything that we um, have built over the last 200 and uh, 60 years and um, and replace it with an ideology that is antithetical to the the founding of our country. This movement, these tools started, if you'll remember back, to political correctness. Remember when we were talking about political correctness? Political correctness meant that you had to be aware of saying the wrong thing and not not offending anybody. That was being politically correct. To, that was, you know, that was back in the 70s and the 80s. Well, since then, this has extended, it's morphed, it's escalated into what we now call wokeism. Wokeism is a tool. The Collins English Dictionary defines wokeism as the behavior and attitudes of people who are sensitive to social and political injustice, racial injustice, sexism, and LGBT rights. Wokeism is a word. It was actually derived from the African-American vernacular English to um, 
to basically define political correctness. As I said, wokeism is a tool and it is being used to divide the country further. And it is working. If you, black lives matter. Black versus white divide, divide the country based on race. Barack Obama had a lot to do with that, but it preceded him, but he, he didn't do anything to put it down when he could have. Instead, being the leftist that he is, he saw this as a means to achieve the end that he wanted, which was, as he stated, to fundamentally transform this country. Gay versus straight, or LGBTQ and trans versus straight, further dividing the country. MAGA versus all normal people. The MAGA people, which are people who are interested in preserving our country, are viewed as outliers, as, as the ones who are deranged or who have it wrong when it's just the opposite. The tools that the leftists use are brilliant because they have the media to help to amplify their messages and turn everything upside down and inside out that is we all know is wrong. Wrong is right. Up is down. Everything is backwards. And that's, again, to further divide and confuse people and so discontent, discord. Now, the latest. What's the latest? Jews versus Palestinians, which aren't really Palestinians because it wasn't the Palestinians that committed atrocities on 1,200 people in Israel. It was Hamas, a, a dangerous, bloodthirsty, disgusting, inhumane, barbaric terrorist organization. And we've got people in this country who are promoting this, who have lost all sense of right from wrong, of, of morality. They've completely abandoned all of the norms of, of civilization and have taken up the mantle of terrorists. Could you imagine if 9-11 happened today? We're already seeing people who are echoing something that Osama bin Laden wrote justifying why he planned and executed 9-11 and there are people in this country who are agreeing with him is, is have people completely lost their minds I think the answer is yes they have and it's because the Marxists are succeeding they are 
using all the tools in their toolbox to undermine our country and divide us. By dividing people, by disuniting people, it makes it easier to capture the reins of power, specifically elections. When people think that their their um, ideas are wrong, and there are people who who come up for election who have different ideas, like the George Soros-sponsored um, uh, district attorneys around the country who want to let criminals out of prison or who want to prosecute people who are defending themselves against criminals. And they've got it all backwards. But when people are so confused, it gives leftists an opportunity to gain control, gain power. I give you Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as an example, or any other members of the squad who are just blatant Marxists and should have absolutely no place in our government, let alone our society, and who are in positions where they are influencing policy decisions, they are influencing um, other people to commit heinous acts like we're seeing with Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, who are in the streets spreading absolute lies about what happened on October 7th and and subsequently and saying that Israel had it coming to them and they're really the ones to blame. That's crazy. That's like saying that a, a woman who gets beat up by her husband had it coming to her because she would not submit to to his attempts to either um, rape her or or um, or accede to his outrageous demands. This is this is their victims, and the victims in our in this country today are now viewed as the problem, not the perpetrators. This is Marxism turning everything upside down. This is what happens when our culture is destroyed and that Marxists are doing that by creating narratives about how our history is flawed, how the founding of our country was illegitimate, it was tainted. You see this with tearing down monuments, destroying everything that came before now so that they could start over again. Ted Cruz just wrote a book about defeating wokeism. I think that he doesn't have it entirely right. I think that we do have to defeat wokeism, but that's like defeating a strategy. That's like uh, if you have an army and the strategy is to 
to advance on a certain city. That's their strategy. You don't want to defeat the strategy of advancing on the city. You want to defeat the army that is doing the advancement. Wokeism is their tool. It is their means. We have to recognize that that's their tool. We can undermine that. We can take steps to counter that. But ultimately, the goal is to defeat the army, the army of of the Marxists, which is really the enemy of this country. Um, wokeism is an integral part of this Marxist playbook, and most people don't realize this because they wish to be liked. They want to be enlightened. They don't want people to accuse them of being anti-gay or anti-black or anti-this or anti-that. They want to be inclusive. You see these ridiculous bumper stickers on cars coexist. This is, this is, you know, what, this is their, the Marxist mantra. This is their playbook. And I'm not saying we can't coexist, but what they are promoting is that everybody has to respect everybody else's issues and not just respect them, but embrace them and replace their own with their, with these issues that are, are counter to our, our culture. And that's, and that's what's happening in the media and the colleges, um, make these outrageous ideas the new norm. And by disagreeing with these positions, it makes you different. It makes you an outlier. It makes you a potential target. October 7th was a wake-up call to many of these enlightened individuals um, who have to make a choice between right and wrong, between morality and immorality. And it, it was a needed opportunity to define moral clarity because this is what it turns out to be. You either take the position that it is wrong to murder people or not. And um, as I said, when this happens, when we march down this road to Marxism, we are putting ourselves in a position where we will lose all of our rights, all of our individual freedoms, including health care, which brings me to the topic of today's show, which is how when the government is involved in health care, when it takes over health care, there is a price to pay. The price is your individual freedoms and your ability to be able to speak out or make health care decisions for yourself. And uh, once we lose this, we do not get it back, folks. It's gone. So you have to stand up. You have to make a, a, a decision. How much is too much? Is enough enough? Are you willing to take a stand and stop what's 
happening right in front of your eyes. I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal, which I just can't stop reading. I've read it already probably five or six times. And I'm going to share it with everybody because this is the epitome of what government health care looks like. And this is real. It's not, this is not phony news. This is real. So what happened was that there was a baby in Great Britain, Indy Gregory. And Indy Gregory had a serious medical problem called mitochondrial disease, which is a um, ultimately fatal disease. But it is something that is a problem that parents should be the ones with the ability to deal with. And you see parents of children who have severe medical problems and they view the time that they have with their children as a gift. Even though they know that these poor afflicted children have a limited time on earth. That, uh, that ability to be able to share that time with the, their children would be severely compromised. It would be eliminated in a system where the government controlled health care and decisions were taken away from parents. So what happened, first of all, in Great Britain, they have the National Health Service. And um, what this system promises the people in Great Britain is that it will help you take control of your health and well-being. That's on their website. That is their reason for being. But tragically, there's been a number of cases that show that the national health system is doing just the opposite. They're taking away control from parents and they are making sure that they expedite the deaths of individuals. So this baby, Indy Gregory, an eight-month-old, um, with mitochondrial disease died on no- November 13th. Her parents brought the child into um, Queen's Medical Center in Nottingham, England. And um, and the um, the national and the hospital wanted to take the child off life support. This is a degenerative disease that prevents the cells from producing energy and they, they can't, they can't, uh, breathe on their own. They need to be on a ventilator. The, um, parents wanted life support to continue. So what happened was that the National Health Service went to the courts in Great Britain and they stripped the parents of their decision-making authority. And the um, they, they court ruled that life support should be removed. Well, that that is, you know, I think what happens in a system where the state controls the medical 
um, healthcare system because there are limited resources and the, um, and the state can decide how they want to um, spend those resources. And if you have somebody with a terminal illness, do they want to continue to spend money and throw money at, at um, a problem that has no chance of cure when they can redeploy that money in other ways and help people who who will um, ultimately um, have long, productive lives. That's what a system like this makes a decision about. And that's what you get when you have that system. And that's bad enough. But what has happened was far worse because the story goes like this. The, um, the hospital continued to maintain life support and the parents sought out other experts and they went everywhere looking for help, including to Italy, to the Vatican's Bambino Gesù Pediatric Hospital. And this hospital specializes in treating children with rare diseases. And the doctors there offered a treatment plan that they thought could help Indy. And they were willing to do this free of charge. And the Italian government even made Indy an Italian citizen so that she, um, that she could be airlifted from England to Italy. And even the Pope weighed in, urging that Indy be transferred to Bambisu Gesù. And so did Italy's Prime Minister, Giorgia Maloney. Now, if Indy had been in the United States, which thankfully is right now not a single-payer healthcare system, the treating hospital would have transferred her to any willing hospital, even though the physicians at that hospital might have thought treatment is futile. For the United Kingdom, the offer of free treatment by willing doctors should have been the end of the story. They should have said, fine, take this baby. And the government didn't have to pay a penny. And the parents simply wanted the freedom to take their daughter out of Great Britain and bring her to Rome. Instead, the national health system went back to the same court and the same judge who insisted that Indy remain in the UK, that it was in her best interest. They overrode the parents' desire to take Indy to Italy and the judge ordered that they could only take her to one place. That was to the hospice, to die. The parents had no choice but to comply. They couldn't sneak her out because they were sent to the hospice with security escorts and police. So without any treatment, without any life support, with the parents forbidden 
to help her. Indy died two days later. And the government has maintained all along it was looking out for her best interests. And this is the latest in a tragic series of cases in which the National Health Service and the courts decided to withdraw what they considered to be futile treatments and forbid any other treatment options by any other experts anywhere else. The names, some of them are familiar. Uh, Charlie Gard was one that came up a few years ago. But there are others. There's Alfie Evans. There's even Alta Fixler, whose uh, father was an American. They all died the same way. And um, and all of these people want, had an opportunity to pursue other treatments outside of Great Britain. And the British government would not allow this to happen, the courts and the hospitals. And um, the uh, National Health Service sometimes gets uh, foiled and uh, people can escape the National Health Service. This happened with a patient named Tafida Rakib, a girl who had uh, brain damage from a ruptured blood vessel in 2019. The NHS wanted to remove life support from her, but the parents whisked that child to Italy, and uh, she's still alive um, uh, four years later, and the parents have um, had a relationship, even though it's, it's not a normal one. They have been blessed with having time with their child rather than watch her die. And um, this is what is going to happen. This is happening in Great Britain. It will continue to happen um, with people who are going to be sentenced to death by a system that not only refuses to allow them to get care that families want, but will deprive them of the opportunity to leave the system to get care by a willing provider somewhere else, which would not cost the government a nickel. So you see how when the government is involved in health care, they control everything regarding decision-making, including stripping parental rights away from parents and assuming the role of caretaker to these individuals. And this should never happen. We're seeing this right now, aren't we, with transgender in this country where parental rights are being are being um, usurped by the state. We see this in Minnesota, where where the state is allowing people to who are who are minors to uh, obtain um, uh, hormones and surgeries without the parental consent. Um, we so this is not unique to the UK, where the government is is taking. Um, parental rights away and assuming 
the the care of individuals. It's happening right under our noses in this country. And heading down a road toward Marxism, this is what we all have to look forward to. I, I can't stop reading this article. It's it's just it's just beyond beyond comprehension that that parents who want to um, allow who who are willing to take their their children out of the country cannot do do so because the government steps in and uh, decides they know better. Um. So. How else has the government involvement in health care harmed Americans? How moving down this road toward Marxism been detrimental to um, to the um, either the health or the pocketbooks of Americans? Um, <laughs> this week, there was an article that was entitled Elizabeth Warren has an Obamacare epiphany. And let me, let me, um, un- unload this, this article. Let me un- unpack this. If you remember back to Obamacare, how it was sold, how it was pushed by the Democrats, the left, the leftists, the Marxists, they were saying what a wonderful thing Obamacare would be, how it would improve transparency, how it would give more Americans the needed health care that they lacked. We heard all of these great things, which we now know were a whole bunch of lies. Right. If you like your doctor, you can keep him. If you like your health care plan, you can keep it. If you like the hospital you go to, you can go to that hospital. We know it was all a bunch of bull. It was lies. And Elizabeth Warren was one of the people who pushed this, pushed, pushed, pushed. Well, at long last, she has acknowledged that Obamacare has increased health care prices and industry consolidation. The government price controls and profit caps that were instituted in uh, 2010 have resulted in a number of unintended consequences. What's happened is that the nation's largest health insurers are dodging Obamacare's medical cost or medical loss ratio, and as a result, health care costs are higher for patients. So medical loss ratio, or MLR, was a cap on insurance company profits. The law, the stipulation, was that insurance companies needed to spend 80 to 85% of the premium dollars on medical claims. And the Democrats 
were giddy over this. They claimed that this rule would make healthcare spending more transparent. It would reduce insurer overspending on overhead and reduce the amount of profits that insurance companies had. Consumers would receive more value for their premium dollar, according to Obama HHS um, uh, individuals. Instead, as has been pointed out by me and hundreds of other people, this rule has actually um, spurred insurers to merge or acquire pharmacy benefit management companies or PBMs, retail and specialty pharmacies, and healthcare providers. And this consolidation has made healthcare spending less transparent since the insurers could now shift their profits to affiliates that they own by increasing their reimbursements or shifting where the money goes and resulting in record profits to insurance companies and higher costs to individuals. Again, government leftist policies involved in healthcare, taking away healthcare freedom from Americans results in worse healthcare higher costs, less choices. Elizabeth Warren got together with Republican Senator Mike Braun of Indiana to um, work on trying to uh, create a bill to stop this consolidation. Um, What they found in their investigation in as a a pre- Amble uh, as uh, as groundwork towards crafting legislation was that insurers were paying their affiliated specialty pharmacies more than twenty times for generic drugs what manufacturers charged. So the patients are the ones who are paying this twenty x cost with hefty out of pocket costs. Um, especially if they've got high deductibles or high co-insurance requirements. In the meantime, since the insurance companies own these specialty pharmacies or PBMs, it's just taking money out of their right pocket and putting it into their left pocket. Um, the insurance companies like Cigna, United Healthcare, Aetna, they are the they are three of the largest insurance companies, and now they are affiliated with the three largest pharmacy benefit management companies. And these companies are the ones that are the middlemen between manufacturers and and uh, consumers, whether that is directly to the consumer or who are paying the insurance or the. Uh, employer who's paying the insurance, but the formularies that all of these insurance plans come up with run through PBMs. And now the insurance companies own them. And then when they acquire the retail pharmacies like Aetna has with CVS, they just shuttle 
<coughs> the costs. They transfer costs from the insurance company to the um, to the PBM to the retail pharmacy, and they wind up charging everyone downstream, but the profits flow right back to the parent company, which in Aetna's case is is the parent company of CVS and its affiliated um, PBM. United Healthcare does the same thing with its Optum subsidiaries. Um, and the United Healthcare Group sends 25% of its medical claims revenue to their Optum subsidiaries. So they're avoiding the regulation that they have to pay 80 to 85% of the premium cost to healthcare because they are shifting it to other entities in their, in their, um, corporate chain. This is why healthcare premiums have risen on average 20% faster since 2011 when the medical loss ratio rule took effect than in the preceding five years before the MLR took effect. And the reason is consolidation. The reason for consolidation is because of government interference. And what's really rich, what's really ironic, is that the Democrats who push this are now looking for help to stop this, demanding more government intervention to fix the distortions that their initial problem created. So, Marxism. Marxism, government control, leading to higher costs, less um, less choices for individuals. Are you getting this connection yet? Are you seeing where all of this comes together? Let me give you one more example in a different in a different vein. Remember during COVID. How could you forget it, right? During COVID, we were told that we must get uh, shots. I don't even want to call them vaccinations because they're not vaccinations. Vaccinations mean uh, vaccines. Vaccines are um, antigens. They con- They contain a portion of what you're trying to immunize a patient against. These shots were experimental mRNA, uh, which is genetic material that they were putting into individuals. Remember when people were saying that it didn't work? Remember when people were being um, outed, they were being um, silenced for spreading misinformation and disinformation, including yours truly. Well, we know that none of that was really misinformation or disinformation. That was leftist Marxist propaganda that was in control of another lever in our healthcare chain. Um, 
In the summer of 2021, these Democrat leftist politicians and public health bureaucrats insisted only unvaccinated people were being hospitalized or were dying from COVID. Rochelle Walensky said, quote, this is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, Jeff Zions, a White House COVID-19 response coordinator, said, quote, unvaccinated Americans account for virtually all recent COVID-19 hospitalizations. Anthony Fauci, quote, it's really an outbreak of the unvaccinated, end quote. And so no wonder shortly after that, Joe Biden announced, quote, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And he promised a new plan to require require more Americans to be vaccinated. We know that this was all one gigantic lie. The government was telling people they needed to be vaccinated. They or they needed to receive shots. And the people who were saying that this was incorrect, that the data did not did not meet the the criteria of being reportable, reliable data. These people were being silenced. Sorry for that. These people were being silenced, and the the um, and and the uh, media was failing to show how the um, questions that were out there were legitimate questions. The Maryland data, every state collects data on COVID. And the Maryland data is the most telling. And um, and by the way, this has been reported by um, Alex Berenson, who is, who, sorry about this, I gotta shut my phone. Um, the, the data is, uh, being, being reported by Alex Berenson, who is a former New York Times reporter, who is, uh, um, who is a Democrat, and, uh, he is, um, uh, he is, uh, one of the true heroes that's out there who is uh, who has um exposed what's happened in um in the reporting of the covid pandemic information he was a um a healthcare reporter for the new york times he was responsible for um uh reporting um, against, uh, he, he exposed some of the, um, uh, data against Eli Lilly and, uh, their, their drug, um, uh, I think it was Zyrexa, uh, back in the, uh, early 2000s, uh, Zyprexa, um, and, and, uh, reporting on the hidden risks. So he was a, an honest broker. And he was seeing what was going on in this country with dishonest reporting. And uh, he wound up um, being deplatformed by 
by the people who were controlling the narrative, specifically Scott Gottlieb from, from, um, who was the former director of the FDA, who then became a top spokesman for the COVID shots, who incidentally was a fi- on the Pfizer board, um, and others who were trying to uh, say that he was one of the people spreading disinformation and and conspiracy theories. So he's he's spent the last three years of his life um, devoting his time to uh, exposing this this uh, um, outrageous narrative that's been spun by our government that about uh, about COVID and 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 the response to it. The Maryland data that he has pointed out has um, shown that nearly everyone who had been hospitalized for the last year has been vaccinated and that the shots actually have failed. The vaccines don't work anymore. They don't work against the Omicron variant of COVID. And by the way, you see these commercials now, these public service commercials where they get these um, high... Uh, profile celebrities talking about how they got the shot. And I don't know why people are still getting these shots and how they have the, the audacity to promote them, let alone, um, in some places require them. Um, in July of 2021, the government told Americans that they needed two of those mRNA shots to provide near total protection from COVID. And, um, and they, uh, uh, found that after doing that, after getting two shots, despite that, one in five people were hospitalized with, who were hospitalized with COVID were fully vaccinated. 20%. That's not a success. And the Maryland public health people admit that the number is probably way higher. Why? Because when somebody is, um, their vaccination status is unknown, they count them as, um, as unvaccinated. And they should not be. They should be, um, designated as unknown, not vaccinated or unvaccinated. So let me say this again. If you had somebody who they didn't know whether they were vaccinated or unvaccinated, they counted them as unvaccinated when they certainly could have been vaccinated. So the number is probably way higher. And and this data was there. It was out there. And despite this data, despite the fact that it was it was public information, it just required a little digging that an investigative reporter like Alex Berenson could find out, the public health officials decided to ignore it and continue to push this narrative. Now the answer the, the question that you have to ask is why? Why did they continue to push this narrative? And that's that's what's really the most puzzling thing of all. Is it arrogance? Is it to um, to prove that they can control the population? Is it a combination of those? Is it something else? We we really don't know. But what's scarier 
is the government's response to people who question this, who try to say, wait a second, this isn't working. Your own data is showing that it's not working. It's like, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe me or what I'm telling you or your lying eyes of what you see is in front of you? And this is, this is what is the more troubling thing that it's the silencing of people who question the government. The government is in charge. It was in charge in Great Britain. It was in charge for Obamacare. And it's in charge of the healthcare narrative for COVID. And what else is to come? Because there's going to be something else. We can't allow this to happen. Now, Alex Berenson is suing Joe Biden and he's suing Scott Gottlieb and he's suing Alex Borella, the, I'm sorry, Albert Borla, the head of Pfizer, because he is contending collusion and collaboration between these people, the government and the media to deplatform him from all of the social media platforms so he couldn't get this message out to the public, which deserved to know about this. I could go on and on, and we're running out of time. So I, I hope that I've made the point why wokeism is a tool, why the enemy is Marxism, how they want to take over your life, including health care. They're doing it right under your nose. And if you do not wake up and figure out a way to stop this, there's going to be another issue that's going to be worse than COVID or Obamacare or what happened in Great Britain with the National Health Service. Thanks for being with me today in the doctor's lounge. Come back in a couple weeks and join me back here. And next week, my co-host, Scott Barber, signing off. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.